Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, we are going to talk a couple of weeks uh, till Christmas time, uh, including Christmas Eve, which we'd love to see you. Uh, we'd love to see you and uh, hope that you bring your family and friends. Um, it's going to be a little packed in the first service, so if you uh, are claustrophobic in any way, you should go to the second service. Uh, but we'd love to see you at any time uh, on Christmas Eve. It's going to be a sweet time uh, for our family to celebrate. In First Timothy, um, really this morning, uh, I want to talk to you about why Jesus came. And we realize that our own birth, even my own uh, birth 50 years ago, um, that uh, when you look at a baby, you look at them with great potential. Uh, what will they be like? What will they look like? And uh, what will their life entail? And what will they grow up to be? And we look at it all as this thing of chance of this situation or that situation of where they grow up and who their parents are and what kind of education they get. And are they a happy child or are they a sad child or uh, did they get to experience sports or music or educate? Like all those things somehow play into our mind what they one day will be. And uh, we think that uh, it's all the factors that come after their birth that usually shape to who they are to be. And maybe that's true uh, for you and me. Uh, but what we're talking about and what we're really celebrating as we celebrate the birth of Christ is we're celebrating why He came. And it wasn't an issue of chance. I mean, as you look through the Scriptures, you realize the prophecies uh, come and they, they bear uh, testimony to that this was not an act of chance. This wasn't something happening uh, because the world was ready for it, but that God the Father sent His Son. And this morning, we're really going to look at the most basic and core uh, answer to what, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? And I want to encourage you uh, to think about that in a personal sense. Uh, why did Jesus come for you? What does that mean for you? Uh, what does that mean for your husband or your wife? What does that mean for your children? Um, by the way, um, you know, I get a crack. I want to talk about this. Do you have children? Do you have children? Uh, if you have children, if you have children, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. They don't need baseball. They can live life without baseball. I always use baseball, and you know why, right? Because the Bozers love baseball. They love it. But more than baseball, they need Jesus. They don't need to go to school, right? They don't, they don't need to be the first in their class or even the tenth in their class or sometimes in the top 200 is fine, right? <laughs> um, your kids need Jesus. Your kids need Jesus. And I say that and I make a big deal out of it because you're going to choose every day, every week what your kids need. And you're raising them to decide uh, what your grandkids will need. And I just want to encourage you, don't, don't, don't think we'll get it next week. We'll get it next week. Uh, we'll get it next season, right? You know, after, you know, th this season's been a little long, but you know, we'll, we'll get it next season. After the, don't do it. Don't do it. 
Um, it's good for a coach to hear over and over again. We're not going to be there. We're not going to be there. Well, they're not going to play. I know because they're not going to be there because uh, we'll be at church with God's people. That's not just being here. It's that we would love what God loves, his church. Okay. I hate to be, I'm 50, so get off my back. Back when I was your age, I thought the same thing, right? So anyways, I told Jeff Lamont, I said, we're not the same age anymore. You're in your 40s, I'm in my 50s, you know. Uh, anyways, what was I talking about? Jesus, there we go. Let's read this passage. Let's read this passage. First uh, Timothy, please stand in honor of God's word. I want to read to you um, just a few verses this morning. Verses 15 through 17. God's word says this. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, uh, that in me, the, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would uh, mark us with it this morning and greatly encourage us to what you desire us to be. God, um, help us to grasp uh, why Jesus came, uh, what that means to us, and also what that means for our day and our future. Uh, God, thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we start in uh, verse 15, uh, Jesus saving sinners, Jesus saving sinners. And uh, this in verse 15, it says the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Uh, many believe that, that that's an intro to say this is a common, common saying. Everybody knows this. Everybody hears this. This is. Uh, something that they might have used in a catechism or something they would have shared at church that, you know, they would have put it on bracelets and stuff like that. This is something that everybody knew who was a Christian. And really what it introduces is this core of the gospel, this simple, simple, simple gospel message. Uh, the core for the gospel meaning uh, that that everybody knows who's a believer that this is why Jesus came. It's a saying, and um, you know, it's a saying that I hope you hear me saying it to the little ones up here. You know, sinners, there's a savior. This is why Jesus came. This is what he came to do, and that's the job of parents and grandparents over and over again is to say to their children. You're sinners, you're sinners, and you need a Savior. His name is Jesus. Yeah, to say that over and over again so that they would understand, so that they would grow up knowing uh, what it is, the, the gospel is, what the Bible teaches about Jesus coming. Jesus came, uh, as we look at this, this, this um, battle cry, if you will, this uh, teaching that all of us should know 
this saying, if you will. And by the way, it says it's trustworthy, deserving full acceptance. Um, there are plenty of uh, things that everybody knows that's, that's wrong, right? Uh, it doesn't mean because everybody believes in it that it's right. He's saying this saying, this thing that 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 we are going to talk about, this uh, battle cry, if you will, this thing that all the Christians know, it's trustworthy. It's worthy for us to put our trust in, but it's also true. It's also true. And there's this, uh, you know, what we do here is a tradition or a custom. We come together and gather on Sunday morning. Uh, I hope you come. We talked about this on Christmas Eve, and I hope that that's part of your tradition or custom. But I, I want to tell you, it's not just a tradition. It's something that is true, that is true, that we celebrate that Jesus has come. And it's a big deal, not because it's a tradition of ours and it's been done for many years, but because Jesus was who he said he was and he came for a purpose. Uh, as we look at uh, verse 15, it says, well, what is it? What is this saying? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to save sinners. Um, none of you have probably watched any Christmas movies in the last week or so, have you? you know. uh, it's always, we love them at our house. We've probably watched more than anybody. Our household has watched probably more than any of you have. I, I find ourselves superior to you in that. Um, <laughs> That may not be true, and if you can challenge us, we're both pathetic, okay? Uh, <clears throat> but um, but uh, they like to use phrases like, well, it's the time of miracles, and uh, uh, Christmas is the time of love, and like, and you're like, oh, that's so nice. What does that mean, you know? And there, there's this magic, and like this, and that, and there, there's this sense of, uh, as people secularize and uh, think about what they can uh, celebrate apart from Jesus at Christmas time. They, they use words like that, and that's fine and stuff for them. But I want to tell you, as we think about as a church, as families who believe in Jesus, why we would celebrate the birth of Christ, there's a reason we celebrate the birth of Christ. So, uh, you know, when you think of someone's birthday, or uh, uh, some event, I think about uh, our calendar of events. Uh, we celebrate, you know, some of the big ones. Uh, new Year's Day, starting in the new year. Uh, we think of uh, Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. July 4th, we celebrate really the birth of our country. Um, you know, National Donut Day or whatever, whatever it is you celebrate. You're uh, remembering the significance of that person or that that thing or that event. And what we are doing is we are connecting that event, uh, but much in a greater sense, through really through any event, it's the birth of Jesus, but it's why he came. Uh, the scripture says that Christ Jesus came. He came into the world for a purpose, to save sinners. He came to save sinners. And so um, I guess that's what makes it um, so intense uh, when we celebrate Christmas is uh, we realize that Jesus was born a baby 
And uh, most of us here have held babies before. Maybe you're doing that even presently, like this is part of your life. You have a, a grandchild uh, or you have a child of your own and you hold that little one and you look at them. And uh, Babies are interesting because you can just stare at them for hours, right? And they're just so amazing and so helpless. But as you would look at your child and wonder what would happen in the future to them, what they would be, why, you know, what they would fill their life with. Uh, as we consider the baby Jesus, we realize, we know the story, <clears throat> that it just didn't happen that he died for sinners. He came to die for sinners. That's why he came. In fact, as we look at a wider sense, the Father sent him to earth to die for sinners. It's not just that it happened. It's not just that it needed to happen. It was part of the plan of happening. Okay, He came to die for sinners. As you think about that this morning, The reason he came uh, was to die and to save uh, to save sinners. I want you to say, I want you to think about this. This isn't just a self-centered passage, um, but I, I want you to look at that passage and and say that Jesus came into the world to save Kevin. Insert your own name. Jesus came. Why should you celebrate at Christmas? Well, because Jesus came to save sinners. I'm a sinner. So he came into the world to save me. Back up a little bit. and I just want to say this. What's your identification in this verse? Sinners. sinners. Um, yeah, I've made a few mistakes. You ever say that? Like, I, I find myself saying that, yeah, uh, nobody's perfect. Like anybody that I'm talking to would, would wonder, you know. Uh, I always think that's funny because uh, when we say that to someone, we're saying, you probably think I'm perfect, but I'm not. And it's like, it shows our delusion. It shows us missing. Uh, what, what, are, what are we? What can we identify ourselves as? We are sinners. We're sinners. What does it mean to be a sinner? It means that we have offended God. He said to do this, we've done this. Um, I, I think most of us, and definitely in our world today, uh, when we look at life, we just think it uh, is a series of choices that are meant to make me happy. And so uh, I just pursue whatever I want. And if it doesn't work, I change it and I do something else. And, uh, you, you know, you look at, uh, you look at what our culture is about right now. It's not about, um, honoring the Lord. Um, many times, even in our church here, many times we justify what we do because I just wanted it. I just wanted it. it I thought it was going to be best for me. Uh, we think about that, um, in the raising of our children. And sometimes we say, you know, we justify us not parenting or over-parenting or, or doing this or setting up our home. And, and you say, why? Well, it's not making me happy, so I had to change it. 
We think about things in our marriage where um, we justify the things that we are doing or not doing, and we say, well, I'm not happy. I want to encourage you. Don't use that as the test of what you will and won't do. Because selfishness and pride are what? They're sins. But what, what's, what's a sin that you've committed? We're going to stand up and share some t- things here this morning. Um, we lied. We lied. Uh, have you uh, committed adultery? Have you had some other type of sexual sin? Have you um, have you eaten too much? Have you uh, had evil thoughts in your heart? Have you looked upon uh, uh, things and in jealousy and covetousness uh, wanted something that wasn't yours and God obviously had not provided sins. And those sins have identified you as a sinner. As a sinner. And, and, and to really feel the weight of this this morning, to say this, if I would not have sinned, if I would not have sinned, Jesus wouldn't have had to come for me. He, he, he wouldn't have. And, and you say, well, it's such a beautiful thing that Jesus came. Yeah, he, he came and it, it's beautiful. But the reason he came is to save sinners. And so the reason he came is to save me. me. And really not just you. You know, don't get too self-focused here. But like... Uh, Jesus wasn't only coming to save you, he was coming to save all who are sinners, of which uh, you are in stellar. Um, you're a group that is uh, very large, very large, this group of sinners, okay? And so we're in good company this morning. As Paul looked upon this, and I find this interesting in this passage, he says, uh, I'm the foremost of sinners. I'm sinner number one. And uh, you can go back. We have some history of Paul's life. Uh, before he came to know Christ, uh, we realized that he was a persecutor of the church and that he uh, zealously went about um, persecuting, uh, you know, uh, prisoning and beating and even uh, overseeing the deaths of some believers. And so... Uh, we can quickly connect. We can say, well, I, we know why Paul was saying that. Uh, and you know why Paul was saying that? It was because he knew himself. He knew himself. And so when he looked at his life, when he looked at his life, he said he, he considered the catalog of sins that he had committed, both uh, differing sins. There weren't just murder in there, but there were other things that I'd mentioned before. That, that Paul knew that it, he, he didn't go to people and say, oh yeah, I had a couple of bad days in there. Nobody's perfect, you know. I made some mistakes. Paul never said that. He said quite the opposite. Understanding himself, coming to grips with his sinfulness, he said, I'm sinner number one, the foremost. I'm the head of the line. Uh, you know, I'm the valedictorian of sinners. Ah, first in my class. You look at that and you, you say, well, yeah, you mention it that way, Kevin, you know, uh, 
he is a pretty bad sinner. Not me, but like he's a pretty bad sinner. I want to tell you that uh, if we've come to grips with our heart, we probably would have written the same thing had God used us to write the scripture. Foremost of sinners. You say, well, your life hasn't been that bad. Yeah, but if you would have known what I was thinking, man. If you would have known the places I've been, the things that I've wanted to do, the things that I've desired, the things that I've said in my heart to people, you would know that my heart is desperately wicked. And so it's accurate to say for Paul, yeah, I'm the foremost of sinners. Like I'm sinner number one. But I think it could also be accurate for us to say, as we rejoice at the reason that Jesus came, He came for the foremost of sin, and that's me. That's me. Some of us love our upbringing too much. We love our upbringing too much. And we say, oh, you know, I was raised in the church. Learned scripture. I got a lot of stars in my column. You know, in that Sunday school class or that Awana book. Like, like I've done it. You know, I've got awards for what I've done. I, I've won the Bible bee, okay? Um, and I'm not like those others. I'm not like those others. And I want to tell you, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Foremost of sinners. And I just want to encourage you when it comes to uh, the wickedness of your own heart, know thyself. Know thyself. You know, consider who you are and the failings and the weaknesses that you have. Uh, I think sometimes we get shocked by how weak we are, and we should, uh, because uh, our thinking of ourselves is up here, but the actuality is way down here. So Paul looked at himself and he says, I am the foremost of sinners. Should be a quick answer for you. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? He came for sinners. He came for me. Uh, That's something you can hang on to. That's something that should be in your home this time of year all the time. If you think about the baby Jesus, you think about him coming uh, to grow, to be a man, to give his life for sinners like me. Uh, This is something to rejoice in. This is something to celebrate. To celebrate. Um, you know, that Christmas uh, could and should be the, the biggest time of year because it, it connects us with Easter. It connects us with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what He did for you and me. In verse 16, um, and really, I, I, I think it's important for us to get here in our own mind Jesus saving sinners, and now Jesus displayed in sinners, verse 16. And I'd say in parentheses, displayed in Paul. Displayed in Paul. He says, but but I received uh, for this reason that in me, as the foremost, you can't get away from it, right? Uh, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Um, what's the problem uh, with Jesus dying for sinners? Now, um, if if I were to know you had a need, uh, maybe you needed a need for a meal or some money, 
or just someone to be kind to you or someone to help you with a project at your house. And I came and I did that for you. And you say, oh, thank you so much. And you say, well, it's easy to do. You're my friend. You're my friend. You go to my church. Uh, you, I love you. I care for you. I, we've shared a relationship for a while. Um, we, you know, and, uh, and, and many of you say, well, can I pay you? You say, no, 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 I'll pay. And, and in your mind, you're saying, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to get you back for your kindness to me. And we will have this relationship of give and take uh, forever. And that's probably appropriate. But as you look at this, uh, Paul can't get out of his mind uh, that he was the foremost of sinners. And so as he looks at this, he says, but I received mercy. I received mercy. A mercy is what? Guilty, deserving, grace. These are the things I deserve. These are the things that I need. Because of what I did, I deserve to get this. Mercy says, I will not give you what you deserve. And because you and I are sinners, if we've trusted in Christ, we do not receive judgment, wrath, pain. We receive his blessing based upon his mercy. His mercy. If you say, I don't know if I'm good enough for Jesus, I'd say you're getting it now. You're getting it. You're getting it. You're not good enough. Can't you do a little? This is the good news. This is the good news. It's not based upon you being good enough. It's not based upon you having a good track record. It's not based upon you having any right answers today. It's based upon the work of Jesus. It's the reason he came. But Paul says this, but but I receive mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. Um, it's interesting. We don't know if uh, Paul, I, I think I think the answer is yes. I think he's meaning both. But uh, when did God display his perfect patience on you? When did that make that connection? Well, I think most likely the grand event is not, uh, you know, uh, it can be said that when he went to the cross, he was already displaying his perfect patience in, uh, before you were even around. But, but, but the point I think of this is that at that point where he went to the cross, it's not then, but at that point of salvation for you, he displays his perfect patience. But I think you can even go back to those earlier days for Paul. Um, you ever thought about the lightning bolt? Uh, and when I say the lightning bolt, the lightning bolt of judgment, that if you did something wrong, the lightning bolt would come down and drop you dead right there because of what you did. Um, be lonely place down here, by the way, uh, if that would happen. But, but if that happened, the, the reason that doesn't happen, Second Peter 3 tells us this, that, that, that God is patient. He's patient, not wishing any to perish. And so, so this point Paul's referring to is he's considering his life and he's thinking of all the times that most likely uh, he was even being shared the gospel as he was persecuting uh, these Christians. And as he was seeing both 
their message being shared, but also their testimony of going to death and bearing up under the persecution. Paul was going, I don't care. I'll give it to him extra hard, you know. Uh, and, and this idea that Paul is looking at these events in his life, and you know what he's saying? He's saying, that's one of God's patience. You know, that he didn't strike me dead when I deserved it. The things that I've done, the things that I, the wicked things that I've been a part of both in my mind and in my actions. God showed his perfect patience to me. And it was based upon his mercy, not a not based upon, yeah, that's a pretty valuable person there. I could really use Paul on my team. Uh, he never said that. But he looked upon Paul and he says, I want patience upon you. And then finally, when he called him, he, he, he stopped him dead in his tracks, blinded him, and called him to himself. You, you look at that and you see this is his patience bearing out, uh, overdrawing you and Paul and me to the point of the gospel. But also this, I, I want to say this. Um, it's not just until we got saved that he's displayed patience in you. He's displaying patience in you right now. Right now. There's things that you're failing in over and over and over again and that I'm failing in over and over again. Um, I, I, uh, I think often about this. Um, that uh that uh, especially as parents uh we look at our kids and uh do your kids listen to you this is just a question a hypothetical like not hypothetical but I, i'm just wondering i'm just wondering as one parent to another do your parents do your, do your kids listen to you and do, do they act like you know it's interesting the the look on a child's face or uh Teenager's face, or maybe even adult child's face. We'll talk about that someday with some of you. But um, when they look at you like they've never heard some of these things before, like it's the first time they've ever heard this, and you knew you cataloged, you you know you'd said this over and over again. You're like, what were the, were they speaking a different language? Were their ears not working? That was a favorite one in my household growing up, right, Dad? Uh, so, uh, uh, but. Um, you you look at this and you realize that you go yeah you know I don't I don't like it when people don't listen to me and I go what about God what about God His perfect patience displayed in you His perfect dis- patience displayed in you You say well I'm going to do my own thing I would say that's a sin that that thought in and of itself is a sin as well as the actions that come from that. I want to tell you that's a sin. And for God not to strike us dead right then and there is Him displaying His patience on you. You look at this and and Paul's uh, describing uh, what it means for a sinner to be saved and to be continually bathed in His mercy, bathed in His patience. As you look upon this, you realize there's a reason for this too. It says that Jesus Christ might display that, display that, put a show on. I think of uh, the kids uh, always have like science projects or art shows. And, you know, the kids do what they're going to do. And then it's displayed for all to see. 
And that display of artwork or that display of a project is meant to be shown the greatness of the artist, the greatness of the one who did that. And you look at this. I want to put this together for you. This is so great. That you and I, you and I, if we've trusted in Christ, if we've been saved as sinners, we now are the display of God. We are the display of God. We are the display of the power of Jesus, the mercy that He has shown, His patience. We should get this. This is so great. So um, one of the great uh, rejections of the gospel is this. I've gone too far. I've sinned too much. I've done things that can never be forgiven. And I want to tell you, you are meant to be displayed for those rejections that it's not too late. That Jesus can still save sinners. That it's based upon His mercy. It's based upon His patience displayed in you. Do you get that? You're meant to display the work of God. When people look at your life, you're meant to be a a picture of Jesus to them. I I love this. I I fear that um, we look at verse 15 and we just stop there. Oh, isn't it great that Jesus saved me? Isn't it great? You know, I was a sinner, but Jesus came to save me. That's all this is. It's all about me being saved. And I want to tell you, it is about you being saved and then to be displayed forever, forever. The trophy of His grace. A picture of what God does. A picture of the plan of God worked out in His Son Jesus. In you. In you. Um, if you've been to a museum, if you've been to a museum and you see some artwork or a statue the docents will tell you, or you'll be able to see the plaque or whatever. You say, oh, this is the great artist, so-and-so. And this is a picture of what uh, they can do. Or this is a, a, um, a sculpture. This is what they do. And I want to tell you, it's interesting. Um, we have a beautiful church. We have a beautiful church. We're going to work on it some more. We're going to, um, just needs upgrading in various places. We're going to do some of those things. But the beautiful display of a church is not the building. It's not the architecture. It's not the stained glass. We have some stained glass here, but it's just stained. Okay, it's just not it's just, it's not stained glass. It's just stained, okay? Uh, but it's not the beauty of the building. It's the beauty of Christ and the people in the building. This is what, this is what Jesus came for, not to change buildings. Or not to change even so much history down here, but to change people, to transform them from sinners into saints. You see, this is the display of what the Lord wants to do, His perfect patience on display. Um, I, I think that this is Paul's thinking of himself, and even this particular uh, sharing with Timothy, uh, he's saying, you know, Everyone's gonna. Everyone who believes is gonna read my story. That's what Paul's saying right here. I know that everyone's gonna read my story. I know that all who believe from this time on, they're gonna uh, know who the apostle Paul is, and they're gonna know not that I was a great man, but that I was a great sinner, 
and that Jesus saved me and that he changed me and transformed me. I want to tell you, none of us are going to be in Scripture. Uh, but I want to tell you, the Apostle Paul isn't around anymore, right? And so there's people that are in your family, in your neighborhood, at your work, that when they think of Christ and what he's done, you're supposed to be the display to them. You're supposed to be the one that they look to and go, oh, Jesus came to, ch to change this person. That's the good news of the gospel. You look at this passage, and I, I just want to see in verse 17, is this, this is what's going to happen forever, forever. That this isn't uh, a temporary dis display, if you will, that God deserves the glory in your life because he saved you, but uh, Christ deserves to be exalted and will be Forever, forever. It, it breaks into doxology uh, here in verse 17. It says, To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. As we look at our salvation, I, I want you to uh, think this through. It doesn't, your salvation is not like your birthday. It's not like, uh, you know, uh, my brother-in-law and I were talking one time, and uh, he said, "Man, I knew so there was there were quite a few birthdays growing up that I got a spanking on my birthday." He says, "I just overswung. I just overswung because I thought it was my day and I could get away with anything." And and that's that feeling that we have, right? Uh, when we get some huge blessing, that we think, "Oh, it's it's all about me. It's all about me." I, I've got it all because of the, I, I have everything. I want to tell you, because you've been saved, because you've been saved, that goes back to the, the one who saved you. And so as you think about what your life is all about, your life is all about Jesus Christ. It's all about him. And, and for us to think through, it's not about us being happy. It's not about us having all the fun we want. It's not about us doing anything that we want. It's all about us being the display of His mercy and that He would receive the glory forever and ever. The word amen there is uh, this word that's so hard to uh, figure out. It's not just the end, okay? Uh, the end of our prayer, but it, it's, it's so be it. It's, it's that, sit on that for a while, that this is the end, but can dwell on that, this this period but not this is this is amazing and as we consider what christ has done for us uh that is the final answer you know that is the truth this is it uh, that he would receive the glory from our lives three things as we close this morning that we should not forget first of all never forget your sinfulness never forget your sinfulness and the, the sense of sinfulness is that i am undeserving I am undeserving. Um, secondly, never forget why he came. Why he came. Um, I, I want to tell you, he didn't come to right every wrong in the sense of uh, justice here in this world. He didn't come uh, economic freedom. He didn't come for that. He didn't come uh, homelessness and this and that. He didn't come for any of those things. Those are compassion issues beyond that as he changes the heart. 
but the reason he came is for sinners. And lastly, um, never forget why you were saved. You were saved to be a display for him, not just for yourself. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the, the grace of, of the gospel and for your word um, guiding and directing us. Lord, I, I pray that we would all dwell deeply on the gift of your son today and that we would see our life in light of that. God, if there's any here today who haven't trusted in you, haven't uh, come to you in repentance and uh, empty life and uh, been changed, dead in their sins, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself even today. God, thank you for this time. Bless your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. We'll see you next week.